The galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother. And treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Age of Darkness. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat. Coming to you from within the depths of the Vengeful Spirit. Alright, I'm not gonna lie, uh, I don't in the slightest remember all the things I'm supposed to say as we go into an episode. So guys, we're taking over and doing recording stuff, because uh, our poor producer Jesse has been on night shift for quite some time, and we do not begrudge him the hardcore nap he is most assuredly taking right now. Mm-hmm. The mods are asleep post-Emperor's Children content. <laughs> so, exactly. So, Steve and I here are going to take care of teaching you guys about why the Emperor's Children, the Third Legion, the Phoenicians' own, uh, they were halfway decent in the first edition, but boy howdy, is it a good time to be an Emperor's Children player in Horus Heresy 2nd edition. Yeah, they didn't really lose any effectiveness, which cannot be said for some other legions. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically every gripe that people had with uh, with Emperor's Children, <coughs> Phoenix Spears, um, have all <laughs> largely been addressed in some way, shape, or form, which hasn't necessarily covered all of their downsides, but like kind of shifted them around so that you can feel better when the downsides hit. They're not like they're not just straight buffed, is what I mean. Like there's other oh, options yeah. that you can take. So, like they are definitely not perfection across the board, apropos. Uh, but to me, just like in our Alpha Legion episode, when I said like it's not all, you know, coming up Third Legion, uh, it's not all perfection. It's not all like you know going their way, but it feels so well done and in tune with narratively what the third legion is everything from their legion trait to their unique reaction to how their special console interacts with like the rest of the list it feels so well done just like the alpha legion like it just clicks into what their narrative like vein should be on the tabletop and i really like it yeah, um, everything feels. <clears throat> I've I've heard as you know, second edition is I guess what three months old, four months old now. It's getting up there. I, I don't know. Time is an illusion, even now <laughs> in this year of our Lord twenty twenty two. I've heard some people complain about other legions being like, and it doesn't quite fit the fluff. It doesn't really like. It doesn't mm-hmm. represent them very well on the table. But everything that the Emperor's children have, even if it's not like mechanically super impressive Mm -hmm. um it feels pretty pretty narratively accurate so and in a game based around just narrative excellence could you ask for anything more um i guess that depends on which uh which legion you're playing (laughs) (laughs) mike we're still sorry about white scars we love you dearly sorry white scars got uh got dicked down Huh, but we're not talking about White Scars. That's in two more legions. For Heck now, yeah. we have the third legion, uh, the Emperor's Children. Let's get right into it. Delightful. Uh, Steve, you want to take us through Flawless Execution? Yeah, sure. So, um, as with every other legion, uh, Emperor's Children have Legionis Astartes, and then in parentheses, 
emperor's children. All models with that special rule are subject to the following provisions. Uh, their legion trait is called Flawless Execution. On a turn in which they make a successful charge, even if that charge is considered disordered, models with the Legion of Astartes, Emperor's Children, Special Rule, make their attacks at an assault or in assault at one initiative step higher than normal, after any initiative modifiers from other special rules have been taken into account. Models with the Legion of Astartes, Emperor's, special, uh, Emperor's Children, Special Rule, and the vehicle unit type gain a, plus, gain a bonus of plus one to all hit rolls made for defensive weapons when making a shooting attack as part of a reaction. Um, the vehicle type thing, okay, yeah, cool, plus one ballistic skill on, like, bolters and volkites and stuff, but the real meat here is that you're always going to hit before you're equal opposite. That's something I love so much. There's not a whole lot, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that modifies initiative um, in the game negatively, similar to, like, blind or concussive. Uh, the it's only unwieldy. Yeah, and the only thing we have outside of this is Reach and Duelist's Edge for, mm-hmm. like, Charnaball weapons. Initiative is really, really overlooked, I feel, as a statistic, because it doesn't matter how, like, high your armor save is, it's not perfect. And forcing your opponent to take casualties out of melee before they can swing back at you is a huge defensive boost. Yeah, especially now with the changes to weapon skill, meaning that anyone, you know, uh, three to four is hitting you on fives now. Mm -hmm. Um, The Emperor's Children are going to cut you down before you even get a chance to hurt them back. Um, And it's delightful, too, because even in subsequent rounds of combat, we'll get to Phoenix Spears, but uh, they're pretty ubiquitous, and they've got Reach, which is, I love to death, um, a new thing for the second edition. It's one of my favorite new weapon traits. Yeah, Reach is pretty neat. Um, not sure if I like it over its ver- over Reaping Blow, which is the other like polearm rule, but... It's pretty cool. Fighting at initiative is neat, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, my favorite thing about it is that, like, if we've all been in those moments where, like, the two power fist sergeants are going at it, mm-hmm. uh, and they just inevitably kill each other, but the Emperor's Children guy is going to swing at initiative two instead of one, and he's going to just atomize the other guy. Yeah, incredibly important thing. To touch on, and I'm glad you did. This does mean on the charge, your unwieldy stuff like thunder hammers, power fists, chain fists strike at initiative two instead of initiative one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it suck is, it, other power fist users. It's good times to be in the third legion. Yeah, All right. Uh, additionally, anybody with Emperor's Children has access to uh, the entire armory of the Emperor's Children, which we'll get into. Um, they have a special console called the Phoenix Warden, and like every other legion, they have um, <clears throat> unique warlord traits. And uh, next page over, let's talk about that advanced reaction, the perfect counter. When I read through this for the very first time and I read the perfect counter, it was like, this is it. They have nailed what it feels like to be 
third legion on the tabletop because not only is it fun it's effective but it is just hilariously over the top arrogant and i (laughs) i love that for the third legion so much so let me tell you about the perfect counter just like any of the other unique reactions you can only make it once per battle this one is for the assault phase uh, when your enemy declares charge on a friendly unit of your emperor's children so when your opponent rolls that charge distance reactive player that's you also makes a charge distance roll for the reacting unit if the result of the reacting unit's charge distance roll is equal to or greater than that of the enemy unit the reactive player may choose to make a charge with a reacting unit immediately canceling the enemy unit's charge if it's successful and gaining all the normal benefits of a successful charge now uh small downside if the reacting unit uh, charge distance is lower than that of the enemy, you can have it uh, basic, uh, go through a basic overwatch instead. Mm-hmm. Which isn't great, but the Emperor's Children being able to charge your charge <laughs> is exceptional. Like, that just fits them so terrifically. And One thing I do want to touch on, I was wrong about this, and I have been wrong about stuff in the past, and I love to call myself out on it. Uh, Much like the Alpha Legion Headhunter with a Multimelta, at one point I thought that diluted the purpose of the unit, how wrong I was. Uh, So, what's important, it is, I thought at first it was just a straight, like, dice-to-dice comparison. It is not... Uh, So, like, Steve, say you're trying to assault my Emperor's Children, you roll a 7. I thought Uh it was, it's just the 2d6 uh, reaction roll from me. Like, I have to hit 7 or more on those uh, 2d6. However, Uh uh, it's the result of the reacting unit's charge distance roll, which means if you say assault my... Assault Marines with jump packs, they get a plus two to that charge distance roll. All of those movement-based factors are tallied in there. Well, that's upsetting. Again, or uh, what's another good one? Say... uh, Bikes. Yeah, Scimitar Jet Bikes. Outriders that have like higher even movement than 12. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because let's say it's a... Yeah. Uh, hell, Fulgrim is basically anytime you try and charge Fulgrim, he's just gonna be like, No, fuck you, I'm charging you instead. Oh, it's delightful. Um, but yeah, it's good across the board, yeah. And you still get all of the um, since you get the bonuses associated with a successful charge, mm-hmm. uh, you are also your initiative goes up again. Uh, so not only you know, if two the big despoiler squad comes after you and you just perfect counter them, you're going to reeve through at least a handful of them before they actually get to swing on you. Oh, Where's yeah. your God Emperor now? It's even... Um, it's better even than something like Hold the Line, which denies your opponent charge bonuses. Mm-hmm. You also get those charge bonuses. Yep. And, I mean, you can't complain about that. Nope. <laughs> Hard to find uh, hard to find something wrong with it. Granted, you can only use it once per game, but you know, you'd use it in the right point and Yeah. Your opponent's gonna have a real bad time. Important too is unlike a charge in your own turn, um, just like any other charge reaction, 
uh, your opponent can't react to it. So they can't hold the line or overwatch you on the way mm-hmm. in. Yep, because you can't react to a reaction. Mm-hmm. Them's the rules. <laughs> so, oh, taking cool. it on yeah. over to the Emperor's Children Warlord traits. So, Steve, if you could take us through uh, the first two, and then if you don't mind, I'll take the third, because this is another thing I was initially wrong about, and I would like to talk about. Sure. Yeah, so like everybody else, or like I should say most of the Traitor Legions, uh, they have a Traitor-only and a Loyalist-only Warlord trait. Uh, the Traitor-only is called Broken Mirror. The Emperor's children had stood as exemplars of honor and virtue, and the fall of their Primarch wrought a terrible change upon the most loyal of his sons. Where once they had striven for greatness and challenged their followers to excel, now they wallowed in their own ego and inflicted horrific punishments on those that failed to meet their impossible standards. This warlord trait may only be selected by a model with a traitor allegiance. When a friendly unit comprised of more than one model, and within 12 inches of a warlord with this trait, including the warlord at any unit that he has joined, fails a morale check, instead of falling back, it instead must suffer one wound that cannot be negated by any armor saves or damage mitigation rules. This wound is allocated by the unit's controlling player. Once this wound has been resolved, the unit is considered to have passed the morale check, and and play continues as normal. In addition, an army whose warlord has this trait may make an additional reaction during the opposing player shooting phase, as long as the warlord has not been removed as a casualty. That's so good. It it's, is real it's good. It's boss pole, Legiones Astarte style. And I like it too. It's very consistent. It's only ever one wound, and it's not like a reroll. It's not anything. It's just take that one wound. You didn't fail that save. Carry on. Yeah, it's it stands in for uh, fearless. It stands in for mm-hmm. stubborn. Good luck pinning. You know. Oh yeah. It's uh, it's real good. Real good. One I like tiny it. downside: it does. It is a little bit rough to cause you know one by one wounds to like you know a big expensive flagship unit. But yeah, but I mean, like most of those units are probably going to have multi wound anyway. Very true. So, like, you know, Phoenix Terminators or regular Terminators, uh, Command mm-hmm. Squads, stuff like that. One wound to them is just, oh, okay, cool, yeah. let's keep going. Uh, the opposite of Broken Mirror is called Martyrs of Istvan, and it's the Loyalist one. Uh, this Warlord trait may only be selected by a model with the Loyalist Allegiance. A Warlord with this trait and all models and a unit the Warlord has joined that have Legionis Astardes, Emperor's Children Special Rule, gain a bonus of plus one to all to hit rolls made while locked in combat with an enemy unit that has any version of the Legionis Astardes Special Rule and the Traitor Allegiance. In addition, an army whose Warlord has this trait may make an additional reaction during the opposing player's assault phase, as long as the Warlord has not been removed as a casualty. I'm not super excited about this one um most warlords are hitting other dudes on threes anyway uh so i guess it's nice that you'll hit on twos uh or possibly threes for the warlord's unit um but otherwise kind of kind of just okay uh if the if you're playing an event and you end up playing another loyalist player it's really not going to do you any good uh or if you're playing against Mechanicum or Mortals, it's not going to do you any good. Well, I was... That consistent-to-hit bonus is nice, because it 
you know, it's a little bit of a boost compared to something like just plus one weapon skill because mm-hmm. it's a flat plus one regardless of where your opponent's weapon skill is. And yeah, it is nice too. Um, it is a extra reaction in the assault phase. Like, you know, an extra hold the line or overwatch <laughs> is never going to go wrong. Yeah. And two, like I can't begrudge loyal as much flack as I give a uh, forge world for, a little bit of a implicit loyalist bias. I can't give them too much flack for this because Trader Emperor's children get surgical augments. So yeah. All right. So the next one is a Paragon of Excellence. So it's not locked to either loyalist or traitor. Uh, and I admit I was super wrong with this one. I kind of pooed on it initially. Uh, So when any friendly unit within 12 inches of your warlord with this trait, including the warlord and his unit, uh, passes a morale check, it gains plus one weapon skill until the end of the controlling player's next turn. Uh, This can only be applied once per game turn to a single unit. Um, So at first I pooed on this one a little bit because I was like, ugh, morale check. Like It sounds good at first to get plus one weapon skill, but you either have to lose a round of combat or, like, you know... uh, take um 25% casualties and like right. so that, anything that kind of anything that makes you lose yeah. to, to activate feels kind of wrong so what i figured out though is the hold the line assault reaction is specifically a morale check and that turned my entire like view on this trait around oh. uh, because it's not only denying your opponent uh, their charge bonuses, it is also making the squad they're charging that extra step more defensive. Because when you look at things like Phoenix Terminators, Palantine Blades, things like that, um, suddenly even getting charged by other elite units like Templar Brethren, you know, the other heavy hitting uh, Legion elites that also have weapon skill five, now they're getting hit on fives instead and striking back and hitting on threes, which it's a small change in the math from just fours and fours, mm-hmm. but it's a pretty hefty change and it makes sure that not only are you defensively going to take less. Um, hits because your opponent doesn't get, you know, rage, doesn't get furious charge, doesn't get that extra attack. Also, you're that much harder to hit now. It also makes sure to, if it is something you're caught in a bad position, like a Legion Elite unit charging your, like, sad little despoiler squad, uh, just (laughs) bringing them up to weapon skill 5 and evening that math out, again, in your favor, uh, is a pretty big step. Especially, again, when you're denying them all those charge bonuses on top of it. And after I tried it once, I have not taken another Warlord trait since. That, that makes you such a, such a difficult block to remove, because you always want to try and, and get uh, up in the Warlord's face, right, for glorious face-to-face man-fighting. Of course. Uh, or just for Slay the Warlord. Um, but Paragon of Excellence, not only do you not get your charge bonuses... Uh, but you're going to be, it's harder to hit the guy. Oh yeah. And um, he's hitting before you. He will. Cause he's in for his children. And better now. Cause he made him mad by charging him. Yeah. So it's, I like it's it. good times. Yeah. That's really cool. 
Uh, it also has this fun little um, interaction with uh, the Phoenix uh, Warden special ability. Well, not just the Phoenix Warden, also Phoenix Terminators and Palantine Blades have a new special ability called Skill Unmatched, which we'll talk about in a bit. That's pretty central to how your close combat units operate. Uh, so put a pin in that, and we'll come back to how entertaining that is when we hit Skill Unmatched. But uh, you want to take us through some of those rights of war on the next page over? Yeah. So, uh, like everybody else, Emperor's Children have two. You need uh, a Pride of the Pride of the Legion. You need a Master of the Legion unit in order to access them. Uh, the first one is the Maruscara, uh, everybody's favorite. I bring in reserves when I want to. Uh, so, up to four units selected as elites, troops, or fast attack choices in a detachment with this right of war, uh, and that do not include any models with a heavy, slow, or bombard unit subtype, may be granted the outflank special rule at the heart of the or at the start of the battle before any models are deployed. All of the controlling players' units, made up entirely of models with Legionas Astartes Emperor's Children, special rule that are part of a detachment using this right of war, and deployed on the battlefield at the start of the battle, may add plus one to their movement characteristic until the start of any turn, on which the controlling player chooses to bring on any of their own units into play from reserves, including those deployed as part of Deep Strike, Flanking Assault, or Subterranean Assault. The controlling player does not make reserve rolls for any units assigned to a flanking assault or subterranean assault. Instead, the controlling player may choose to have all units assigned to a flanking assault or subterranean assault deploy onto the battlefield at the start of any of their turns after the first without making a reserves roll. Oof. So, the ways this has changed from their first edition iteration. It used to be, uh, as I recall, you picked a turn that the uh, the mm-hmm. closed fist or the closed dagger or whatever they called it uh, would come on. And now you just do it. You just decide, okay, now it's time for all the bikes and the terminators and the, <laughs> the speeders to come on. And mm-hmm. they're on. Uh, and everybody else on the same turn gets plus one movement. So it's very easy to find yourself rapidly encircled by a Maruscara list. Uh, like all rights of war, there are limitations. Detachments using this right of war may not include any models with a movement characteristic of zero or any models with a slow or bombard unit subtype. No more than half of the total number of units in a detachment using this right of war may be assigned to a flanking assault, subterranean assault, or otherwise held in reserve at the start of the battle. Detachments using this light, uh, right of war must take a Legion Centurion, Legion Cataphracti Centurion, or Legion Tartarus Centurion with the Legion Champion or Phoenix Warden Console upgrade as an HQ choice. Um, not really that restrictive. It just means you got to play fast. Yeah, uh, not mad at it. And unfortunately for your opponent, uh, that Legion Champion and that Phoenix Warden is that much faster. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's good times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, speaking of which, yeah, talk about the third company elite uh, beside this here. So, uh, these, this too, just like Maruscara, functions very similarly to how it did in the first edition. Uh, first off, cacophony can be taken as troops, although um, notably not line, uh, but they can be taken as troops. Uh, any unit composed entirely of models with Emperor's Children and Infantry that's part of this detachment, can select a single surgical augment at 30 points per unit. All models in the unit must be given the same augment. Uh, And the limitations can only be taken by traders, of course. 
and all models with the character unit subtype must have a surgical augment either bought as part of an upgrade, uh, as discussed previously for this right of war, or bought separately using the rules presented in the armory. So this might not seem like much of a bonus to begin with, but let me tell you how much more of a difference Precision Shot makes in Horus Heresy 2.0. If the Emperor's children have a kind of consistent downside, it is that on the one hand, you can turn pretty much every squad sergeant into a mini Palantine blade. And he's his own little combat beast, right? So he can end up with a Phoenix Spear. He can end up with Sonic Shriekers because uh, they're terrific. You can give him Artificer Armor. But by the time you hit that, that is what, uh, 25, 15, 10, math is hard, like 50 points of upgrades, you're looking at something like a 65-ish point model for like a tactical sergeant. That's a whole lot of points for uh, some sniper with a chip on his shoulder to just be like, nah, precision <laughs> shot. That Suck him. that round. Yep. Uh, and when you're you know, rolling through combats and your sergeants are just kicking over other sergeants like they weren't even there, it's kind of humbling to catch that one you know, sniper round in the face and then suddenly your 65.1 wound model is dead. It's not. So humbling, even Fulgrim did it. Right. So the big part about, it's a couple more points to upgrade the squad, but for a surgical augment, every single model in the infantry unit gets it. You have to kill every one of them to remove that bonus from like Sonic Shriekers or, Mm -hmm. uh, trust me, it is horrifying to uh, catch an overwatch from a unit that is entirely filled out with sonic lances. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you thought um <laughs> yeah, you thought a uh, salamander like dragon breath flamers were bad. Those dudes don't breach. So it's yeah. good stuff. It seems like a great time to talk about these surgical augments. Oh yeah. Uh helpfully and conveniently, they're right on the next page. You want to take us through? Yep. Uh, So towards the end of the Great Crusade, the Legion's armorers and apothecaries had begun to experiment with surgical augments and psychosonic weaponry, based in part on Xenos designs. Although the true breakthroughs in these fields would not occur until given unholy impetus and inspiration during the Legion's falls, some success had already been reached in creating effective combat implants, which were finding selective use as the Horus Heresy dawned. Um, uh, Surgical augments. You know them. You love them. If you've ever played... uh, Fabius Bile in a Chaos Space Marine Force. If you've ever looked at the Noise Marine Sprue, you know what we're talking about. Huge speakers where mouths should be, big, like, gribbly bits on heads. Uh, it's the Cronenberg Legion. Um, so any model with the Traitor Allegiance, sorry, Loyalists, and both the Legionas Astartes Emperor's Children Special Rule and the Character Unit Subtype, but not the Unique Subtype, may select a single Surgical Augment from the list below, for a cost of 20 points. So all of these are 20 points. Um, Not entirely sure if I agree with that, because some of these are way better than others. Starting with Sonic Shriekers, which you will remember from first edition. 
during a turn in which a unit with at least one model equipped with Sonic Shriekers successfully charges or is themselves successfully charged, all models in the enemy unit locked in combat with them suffer a negative one penalty to all hit rolls. Models which are immune to the effects of fear are not affected by this modifier. It it should be really obvious why that's so good. It is so a little bit of a change. In first edition, it was negative one weapon skill. Now it's negative one to hit, period, flat. Yep. Full stop. Yeah. If you charged into somebody that was already higher weapon skill than you at five, now you're hitting them on sixes. Uh, If you charged into somebody that uh, you were like, well, I'm going to hit them on threes because I'm better. Now you're hitting them on fours. Suck it, nerd. And much like uh, we were talking about before, uh, it has a terrific interaction with uh, skill unmatched from like Palantines and Phoenix Terminators, which we'll talk about a little later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Subsonic Pulsar is the next one. It's okay for 20 points. A model equipped with this upgrade and any unit it joins ignores the penalties to leadership and ballistic skill imposed by the night fighting special rules. I don't hate this one. It's not clearly it's not nearly as obviously helpful as a negative one to hit in combat. Uh-huh. But uh, you give a unit subsonic pulsers and an augury scanner. Uh, the first time you catch like some sun killers with las cannons to like your big like Spartan filled with, you know, expensive dudes, mm-hmm. you remember it because between those two, you ignore pretty much every facet of night fight and you can reach out and touch like whatever you want. Not even, uh, cause the important thing to remember with an augury scanner, it does remove that 24 inch, um, minimum range for night fight. Uh, but it does not remove the, ballistic skill negative subsonic pulsars do yeah the only thing that i'm not like crazy about subsonic pulsar is the fact that it's 20 points for something that may i mean probably will but may not occur in the game uh and even if it does occur only lasts for two turns it is a good point it i think you're right i don't think it has near the bearing of negative one to hit in combat for the first round or um, especially because that negative one to hit is so great on the first round because if mm-hmm. your opponent's getting charge bonuses and things like furious uh, charge uh, rage things like that that first round is going to be where they happen yeah and so, as sonic shriekers or as a note on sonic shriekers it persists past the first round it's the entire combat oh wow wait yeah. hang on uh well i guess hmm, during a turn in which a unit with at least is is during a turn in which you're charged and you don't get charged in the next turn of combat i guess it really only is the one this is true yeah um the third augment yes the third augment is called sonic lance um you're probably detecting a theme here and that it's all based around sound loud stuff yeah being loud uh, a model equipped with this upgrade gains the Sonic Lance weapon. Short, simple, easy. Uh, the Sonic Lance is a template with Strength 2, Assault 1, Breaching 6, and Pinning. Uh, which, you know, Strength 2 isn't that isn't that big of a deal. 
But anyone who's ever played against uh, old first edition Get Death Guard will tell you that uh, rending flamers are real, real mean. They are indeed. And this is breaching, but a six will still wound. A six will still wound. It's AP2. You can't take a cover save. Uh-huh. And it's pinning. Yep. Uh, yeah, it is horrendous to catch these full in the face uh, from an Overwatch. Yeah. It's, it's the old Doom Siren from the 6th edition Chaos book. Yeah. Or 5th edition Chaos book. Eh, Doom Siren. Uh, pretty cool, though. I like that one. Um, especially in uh, Third Company Elite. Just give everybody Sonic Lances. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Sonic Lances on Terminators. Sonic Lances on Special Support Squads. Great. I wish that I could put it on Dreadnoughts. Dreadnoughts oh. would be pretty great with uh, surgical augments, but they're already a little rough. Well, so if you play Fury of the Ancients, your revered ancient becomes a character, so he can take surgical augments. <laughs> That's so for twenty points, he can have a sonic lance. Delightful and hilarious. Yeah, I really wish that. Uh, just as an old Chaos Space Marine player, I wish that uh, what are they called? Dirge casters. Right. Made some sort of uh, appearance in the Emperor's Children Armory, uh, but that's just that's just wish, wish listing. Yeah, <laughs> that's way better than the Alpha Legion Ancient Dreadnought getting a power dagger <laughs> or Venom Spheres. Right. <laughs> hey, that one time you get clocked in the face with a Venom Sphere from like an eight-ton robot, you're going to remember it. It's true. <laughs> it might be the last thing you remember, but you'll remember it. Uh, speaking of fun war gear items, Phoenix Pattern Power Weapons. So, Emperor's Children players will absolutely remember how bad Phoenix Spears were when you didn't charge with them. Uh, a lot of those dual profile weapons have been eliminated, which I really like. Um, they were pretty annoying, because it, like... <sighs> It really forced you into playing a certain way mm-hmm. and trying to really make this overrun happen in your first round of combat, or else your elite units would just get bogged down. No longer the case, uh, and you have an option beside the Phoenix Spear now. Uh, so the Phoenix Rapier, think of it like a fancy little Charnaball Saber. Uh, its strength is user, AP3, melee, rending 6+, murderous strike 6+. Um, the only downside compared to like a Charnaball Saber is it doesn't have that duelist's edge. Not quite as important, because as an Emperor's Children, uh, hopefully you'll be charging, you'll get that initiative boost anyway. But uh, compare well, it's still it... still even if you get charged. Yeah. So... Uh, Compare that, however, to the new and improved Phoenix Spear, uh, Strength Plus 2 AP3. It is two-handed, uh, but it has Reach 1 and the same Murderous Strike and Breaching 6+. Plus. Uh, these are silly good. I have done great work with them so far. Um, it is an option on your Palantine Blades. Uh, it's a five-point upgrade for them, or a 15-point upgrade just like any other power weapon for, say, a character, not a character, a um, independent character, uh, 
10 point power weapon upgrade for your sergeants, things like that. Uh, it outclasses pretty much every other power weapon. Um, like swords, mauls, axes, doesn't really matter. Reach one, murderous strike, and breaching six plus. It's it's real, real good. And that is also at strength six. The very small downside is being two-handed, but when you've got that many things going for you, like, who cares? Yeah, I I kind of wish the power spear wasn't, like, so much obviously more powerful than the rapier, just because, thematically at least, I like the idea of a space marine just, like, putting a rapier through the, bl- uh, through the eye lens right. of another space marine, as opposed to hacking him open with a power spear, but... The rapier... <sighs> I've been going back and forth on this as to what might be more effective. Uh With the rapier, it's really just the sixes you're going for. Because you're probably going to be tossing your palantine blades into other legion elite units. Like it, the math doesn't really matter so much if you're tossing them into like tacticals or you know any legion elite unit's going to run through tacticals, but I think the math works out better for the power spears because it's the difference between wounding on a four and wounding on a two, mm-hmm. whereas the rapier only gives you plus one attack. You know, with the extra hand weapon compared to the spear, right? And I think the math, it also makes them really flexible, because let me tell you, the first time I charged a Dreadnought and stabbed it to death with power spears before it got (laughs) to swing, I was in love. Um, And that was, I was a little bit leery going into it, because, you know, Dreadnoughts are fearless, so it's like one of the very few things, that and dumbass Sigismund, uh, that you can't affect with Sonic Shriekers. But, uh, yeah, uh, I do kind of agree, though. It would be nice if the Phoenix Rapier had something, just some small thing to kind of close the gap between it and the Power Spear. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised that, like, it's a rending and murderous strike don't proc on fives as opposed to sixes. Yeah, because that's the difference between um, the Charnable Tabar and the Charnable Saber. Mm-hmm. They both have the same Duelist's Edge bonus. But the Tabar gives you plus two strength, but it breaches on six. The Saber is flat um, strength, but it breaches on five instead. But even then, I think the math still works out for the Tabar a little better, uh, just through the number of wounds you can pile on from having that you know two plus to wound against Marines. And especially once you start hitting things like Dreadnoughts. I mean, of course, you probably don't want to throw your expensive melee units into a Dreadnought that's going to hit them on fours and instant death them. Yeah. But, but that, that Power Spear, uh, you know, who can't instant death them is Automata. So <laughs> that Power Spear is just going to go right through robots. Um, probably big demons mm-hmm. are going to have a mm-hmm. hard time with it. Yeah, and even though robots and dreadnoughts are only taking D3 wounds, I mean, you poke them enough, they'll fall that's over. Great. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a time-honored tradition, just poking expensive units until they die. Absolutely. 
Speaking of expensive units and Heck the yeah. Phoenix, uh, <laughs> it's the Phoenix Warden. Yeah, let's talk about that Phoenix Warden. Yeah, so uh, any Legion Centurion, any Legion Tartarus Centurion with the Legion of Stars Emperor Special Rule can be upgraded to a Phoenix Warden for thirty points. These guys are like the personal bodyguards of Fulgrim. Uh, they command the Phoenix Guard. Like if you could take a Phoenix Terminator and make him even fancier, you'd have a Phoenix Warden. Um, so he gains the skill Unmatched Rule and Living Icon Special Rule. And uh, Jason is way more versed in skill unmatched than I am, so I'm going to let him take that one. Oh boy. Let me tell you guys about skill unmatched. Because while this isn't an army-wide special rule, it's so prolific in the army, uh, and it does such a huge amount of work and it's completely unique to the emperor's children that it's a really big focal point especially in your close combat so uh there are three parts to it um when you enter combat with one or more models with a special rule at the initiative step 10 uh, you may select one of the three following options and apply it to models with a special rule for the duration of the assault phase so that's your phoenix wardens your phoenix terminators your palantine blades uh, and if you do have more than one model with a special rule, all of them have to pick the same option. So it does actually behoove you to put the Phoenix Warden in with a unit that is not also um, Palantine Blades or uh, Phoenix Terminators. Same thing with Living Icon, but we'll get to that. So you've got three options, Perfect Guard, the Perfect Strike, and a Perfect Fury. So the Perfect Guard is your... Um, so this is your defensive option. Uh, you may increase your weapon skill by plus one for the purposes of the enemy model hitting you for to hit rolls only, but you reduce your attack characteristic by one. Uh, the perfect strike is the mirror to that. Uh, you increase your weapon skill by one for the purposes of hitting the enemy model, but you reduce your attacks by one. Or the counter to both of those is a perfect fury. Uh, you increase your attacks by one, but reduce your weapon skill by one. So right off the bat, this gives you a ton of defensive options. And like we mentioned before, it synchronizes with things like Sonic Shriekers perfectly. Because to set up a scene where something like another Legion Elite unit um, whether it's Terminators, uh, Templar Brethren, things like that, most of them have weapon skill 5. Your Palantine Blades have weapon skill 5. Your Phoenix Terminators have weapon skill 5. Uh, suddenly, when they charge you, uh, they are now hitting you on 5s with the defensive option, Perfect Guard, because your weapon skill goes up by 1 to be hit, and combo that with Sonic Shriekers, now heavy legion elite combat units that are used to hitting other units and rolling through them are hitting your legion elite units on sixes it is a massive balancing factor especially with things that have like rage furious charge all that business starting out and an important thing to remember is sonic shriekers unlike uh your legion trait uh, whether you charge or are charged, you get that same bonus uh, of negative one or 
well, you don't get the bonus. Your <laughs> opponent gets the penalty. But you know what I mean. <laughs> now, uh, what's hilarious is going back to Paragon of Excellence, that Warlord trait we talked about earlier, all three of these things, Sonic Shriekers, Skill Unmatched, and Paragon of Excellence can combine into this little once or twice a game, just like trifecta of hilariousness. Because uh, something I figured out early on, uh, Palantine Blades have counterattack. However, if you use the hold, your, uh, hold the line reaction, it specifically says you cannot claim the bonus from counterattack. However, a fun way to sort of get around that and make somebody really, really regret charging you is this fun little three-step combination. An opponent charges your warlord and the unit with skill unmatched. Uh, you go for the hold the line reaction and you pass that morale check. So now immediately your opponent is disorganized in their charge and your unit gets plus one weapon skill. Now, uh, you take skill unmatched and you go for your perfect fury option. Uh, having weapon skill six, um, even uh, shoot, even for a champion, that would put you up to like weapon skill seven. Um, having something like that is not going to make as big a difference uh, to say something like weapon skill four, like a despoiler marine. Uh, it doesn't really change the math if you go from weapon skill five to six, but mm -hmm. uh, you pull your weapon skill down by one for that perfect fury bonus, and now you've got plus one attack from being charged, and your opponent's disorganized, so they're not getting a single bonus. It's like getting the Emperor's Children, mm -hmm. like, you know, counter charge option, but you don't even have to move. You just have to pass that morale check from hold the line. It's great. It's a couple of little steps to get there, but well worth the journey. Yeah, dueling uh, Emperor's Children characters is just an exercise in frustration. It really is. and it makes... it's going to be really hard to hit them, and then they're just going to like, boop! Yeah. Whack you back. It's, it's great across the board, let me tell you. And he's relatively cheap for all that, too. Like, a Tartarus Centurion is 75 points. You mm -hmm. upgrade him to a Phoenix Warden for 30 that's 105 points. And he gets uh, one of the Phoenix weapons for free. Yep. And so, he uh, gets an Iron Halo as well. Yeah. So well, can't help you with that. Yeah. The one downside from being in Tartaros armor, suddenly gone. Yep. Um, for 105 points. And then for 125, you can give him a Surgical Augment. Mm -hmm. And that's... 125 compared to like i guess the champion would be his his nearest uh analog probably which is 75 points plus 35 points so 110 plus any like actual gear you want to give the champion mm -hmm. uh so he's he's 20 he's 10 points more expensive bare bones um but i feel like the champion's uh equipment is probably gonna pile up jump packs or uh the one, like the one downside, I think, compared to a champion is you don't have that native weapon skill six. You have almost weapon skill six when you use skill unmatched. Um, however, the other really good balancing factor to that is living icon. 
so for this, uh, that's the other special rule the Phoenix Warden gets. Uh, same thing, the Phoenix Terminators also get it. Uh, a model with this special rule and all models in any friendly unit uh, with the Emperor's Children special rule and one model within at least six inches of a model with this special rule gains plus one to the score used to calculate the winner of combat during the assault phase. It's its own little six-inch vexilla. It's pretty great. So the effects of this special rule do not stack, and any unit can only be affected by a single instance of this special rule. However, the effects of this special rule do stack with the effects of Fulgrim's Sire of the Emperor's Children special rule. So, uh, say if you have a Phoenix Warden and Phoenix Terminators in the same combat, they don't give each other a plus two. Uh, but, I mean, outside of that, like a flat, basically a free Vexilla, keep in mind it does stack with a Vexilla. It just doesn't stack with itself. Um, I don't know why you'd ever take Bloody Handed, the Warlord trait, but it stacks with that too. Um, it's pretty great. Uh, occasionally, I have gotten um, it to uh, grant a bonus to a adjacent combat. It doesn't happen often because it's only a six inch range, but you know it's better than a uh, poke in the eye. Yeah. Yep. Phoenix Warden. He's pretty neat. Um, yeah. Cool. 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 Now. The interesting thing is that the Phoenix Warden doesn't replace his uh, his actual power weapon with a Phoenix weapon. So, if you absolutely needed some AP2, you could still give him a power axe. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Uh, since he does have to, on. yeah, he does have to start because um, he's Tartaros. He starts with a power weapon yeah. and a combi bolter. Yeah, and so I guess you could actually, interestingly enough, uh, since it doesn't replace anything, you could give him dual lightning claws or like a power fist and a chain fist. Like he could still be packing his his heavy gear <laughs> uh, and then just whip out that power, uh, phoenix weapon for when he wants to look impressive. I don't know why you would maybe want lightning claws over a phoenix spear um or i could see why you might might want a power fist but um none none of the other power weapons i would think except maybe something with a flat ap2 it's a good point it would start to make him kind of expensive but you could do it yeah Uh, i guess part of his draw is his relatively cheap um price tag for being able to do all the things that he can do you could give him the phoenix rapier and then it would be one of the rare instances where a terminator gets two close combat weapons outside of lightning claws Uh uh-huh and the rapier's not like specialist weapon or anything Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) it's even funnier to think of a big hulking terminator with like a little rapier he's just bink bink sticking it into the soft parts on guard yeah (laughs) um well, dang, after this, we get into Emperor's Children units. Yeah. Fancy. Um, and 51-ish. Da, 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 Terminators. All right. Yeah, you want to talk about Phoenix Terminators? Uh, yeah. I, Primarchs, are, Primarchs are kind of boring, so I'm perfectly okay with skipping them or saving them for last. All righty. Uh, 
Next was the fun stuff, all the Emperor's Children's special units. Um, all of these, you, you pretty much recognize them from first edition. Uh, Phoenix Terminators, Palantine Blades, Cacophony, stuff like that. Um, there are some new characters, and there are some... Uh, I guess some units have been moved over into Legacy, which isn't so bad. It's, it's not as bad as it sounds, uh, but we'll get to them too. Uh, I don't know if you'd recognize Phoenix Terminators from the first edition, considering they're good now. Oh, well... That's great news for people who play Emperor's Children. I don't. I just like looking at them. They are nice to look at, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, well, go on. Explain it, then. All right. Uh, Phoenix Terminators are delightful. Uh, they're s- comparatively inexpensive. They're 200 points uh, among Legion Elite Terminators. That's not that bad for five of them. Uh-huh. Uh, so they come stock. They're in Tartaros armor, and they have a Phoenix Power Spear. Uh, they've got Relentless, Bulky 2, Stubborn, which is nice, uh, Living Icons, and Skill Unmatched, like we just talked about, and you can take them as a retinue, much like any of the other Legion Elite Terminators. Uh, if you are five models or so, you can take a Land Raider Proteus. Uh, if you're five or more, you can take a Spartan. Uh, you can include up to five additional Phoenix Bros at 35 points a model. Uh, <laughs> all of the models in the unit can take the same surgical augment for 25 points for the whole unit. Uh, again, big bonus compared to just the squad sergeant. And the Phoenix Champion can take a grenade harness for 10 points. Fancy. So the reason these are great... Uh, they're pretty inexpensive, like we discussed. Uh, they're only 35 points a model to add on. Um, but they're weapon skill 5 and 2 attacks each. They come stock with a Phoenix Power Spear and that exact same um, skill unmatched and living icon rule that we just discussed for the Phoenix Warden, except across the entire unit. It's like you can't go wrong with these guys. Now, a small eccentricity they have, uh, much like the Ultramarine Suzerains, uh, they all are individually characters. So in theory, you can do that wacky thing uh, with like hot potatoing wounds around uh, to a single wound for every dude in the unit until, you know, one of them finally has to take a second wound, and only then do you lose an actual model. That's a little janky. Um, I'm not a huge fan of doing that. I just still kind of treat them like any other multi-wound model. But you can do it. Uh, the other interesting thing, uh, they do not actually have a ranged weapon. This is more or less like their only sort of downside. Uh, they only come with the Phoenix Power Spear. Well, you say that, but for 25 points, the entire unit can take Sonic Lances. That is true. Um, so they're not completely bereft of ranged weapons. The only downside there is it does take the place of Sonic Shriekers, which combos so well with, um, not to be, I know I'm a little bit of a broken record, but <laughs> uh, it does add up pretty darn well with Skill Unmatched. Um, as a whole, they are a terrific tool in the toolbox for knocking out uh, enemy 
elite combat units. Oh man, and they're so cheap for it. Yeah, 200 points. Um, 200 points down from first edition, 265 points. So like almost a 70 point uh, discount from what they used to be. And to add dudes is five points cheaper than it used to be. Now they did, Sonic Shriekers went up 10 points for everybody to have them. but, But worth it. But worth it, yeah. And they have, like, you can still pay 25 points to get um, the Sonic Lances, if you want, which is something they didn't used to be able to do. Hey folks, Jesse here. Uh, quick editor's note, uh, the Palatine Blade review was cut slightly a bit, and also Will showed up, so you can blame him for that. But we bring you back into the reviews, currently in progress. Oh, yeah. Uh, what are you thinking, Jason? Are you thinking... I'm sorry to interrupt again, but no, no are you thinking um, jump packs, or are you thinking like these dudes in a Spartan or a Land Raider? So far, I have been using them on foot, and they have been targeted pretty heavily, which I can understand. Uh, so it does allow my Phoenix Terminators to live a little longer, um, but because I'm looking into making a... Um, assault company with a bunch of assault marines anyway uh yeah definitely jetpacks for 10 points a model um it's not bad at all and uh not at all yeah big change from first uh first edition too they are now two wounds and have artificer armors stock oh look at that oh i love that they made all the elites elite Mm -hmm. in this edition it feels yeah, great. You can't just punk them out with a with a lucky bolter shot anymore. Now you really got to you have to really put effort into putting them down. Yes. And yeah. unfortunately, Palantine blades are going to put you down before you even get to swing. I know. I'm looking at these dudes, and I'm like, I think my Domitar could take them, but Domitar is initiative three, man. Like mm-hmm. he's only initiative three. Have murderous strike on those spears. They're going to bypass his armor. Like my. And then I'm thinking Arlo attacks with like, you know, he gets like 12 attacks because of, he's got like three sets of rampage built into him. <laughs> right. Um, and even him, like he's only AP3, so he's not taking care of these guys either. Mm-hmm. These guys are these guys are good, man. You're going to have to have like a dedicated melee elite squad or, or shoot them off. You, have, guess, to right? them, you have to shoot oh, them yeah. off the you table because they're going to roll shoot over them off. anything short of Terminators. So what we were talking about before, they are slightly less defensive than the phoenix terminators um they do once you upgrade them with power spears they end up coming to about the same points as the same number as phoenix terminators um so they don't have living icons for that like free vexilla essentially uh but they can absolutely do uh this thing steve and i were talking about uh sonic shriekers combos really well with skill unmatched uh, because one of the options is to count yourself as weapon skill plus one to be hit, which means when you're fighting other Legion elites that are also weapon skill five, now they're hitting you as if you were weapon skill six. So they're Maybe, hitting you on ooh. fives. Okay. And then yeah. Sonic Shriekers adds that flat negative one to hit. So, Oh, so you're double dipping. 
Yeah. Oh my god! And suddenly, really heavy-duty uh, Legion elite combat units that are used to hitting other things and rolling right. over them are now hitting on sixes in that first round of combat, which is where all those bonuses from like Legion traits, rage, um, you know, sudden strike, furious charge, things like that. That's where they all activate, right? That's so you're when wasting they all, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's like um, that's like the blind we have at home. You know what I mean? Like when, you're, when <laughs> right. you ask mom for McDonald's and she's like, we have burgers at home. Yeah, we have blind. And you're like, home. we have blind at home. And it's <laughs> it's just lowering their weapon skill to six. So uh, what I've noticed is they're really good. They're um, much more defensive than you would probably initially expect. Um, not only do Legion elites hate murderous strike like so so much um they're really good at absorbing those charges and sticking them in place for a different unit of yours to you know dogpile in and help out the next turn once you've absorbed that charge yeah and i mean the fact that these palatine blades have counterattack built in too doesn't mm-hmm. hurt you know so on top of counterattack uh, it combos really well with uh, Paragon of Excellence, which is now my absolute favorite Warlord trait for the Emperor's Children, just hands down. Uh, so I put on it initially because it gives you plus one weapon skill for passing a morale check. So I thought that was just, um, you know, 25% casualties or losing a round of combat. However, uh, the hold the line reaction is also specifically a morale check. So if you hold the line against your opponent who's charging you, uh, not only is their charge now disorganized, uh, but you're at plus one weapons gill on the receiving end. Yeah. On top. You know what, I, as you're describing this, I'm imagining that scene in the Lord of the Rings where the orcs, the, the very first open battle at Mordor. Right. And the elves are just standing there with their swords and like just like graceful little elflings. They are slicing down. That's exactly what I'm seeing these dudes doing, you know? They're Perfection. just standing in formation waiting for the charge to happen. And they're like, all right, as soon as they come, just start mutilating <laughs> these dudes. So, And it's really funny because that's essentially... I mean, that's what ends up happening. It's almost worse for your opponent to charge you. That is so good. I'm a big fan. Uh, I was super, super wrong when I said it wasn't that good of a warlord trait. Yeah. So, okay. Um, focusing back on the, the Palatine Blade Squad. Yes. You said you're walking yours. Now, and we've also established that you need to shoot these guys out to deal with them. Absolutely. Is that like their only real weakness you're seeing? Like, have, have you come across anything in like your theory hammer that is like definitely going to be a hard counter to these guys in combat? In combat, it's really difficult to deal with them in combat because not only are they more defensive than you might initially expect, they also have reach. So even if they don't charge, they're at initiative 5, where almost everything else, Legion Elite-wise, is either unwieldy or initiative 4. Exactly. If you hit them in combat, they are going to take a pretty big chunk out of whatever you hit them with. So, I mean, I think it's one of those things just like a Primarch where you have to have to like whittle them down mm-hmm. in range with ranged weapons fire and then assault them. Gotcha. If you're okay, going to well, assault them. There you go. I mean, threat level midnight on these guys because, 
if they're at a transport, knock out that transport and then just try to shoot these guys. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get in combat with them. Well, I will say, just like other Legion elites, they do hate things that double them out. Of course, um, right, right. That instant death, yeah. So something like an Arcus with a strength 8 AP2, basically all they have to fall back on is an evade. Mm. Which isn't ideal. Right, right. Um, demo cannon, that'll, that'll do it. I mean, what what won't a demo cannon? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, so there are options out there. You're right. But, man. But most of them... 165 points base. Yeah. Now, I will say that small downside is they do not come stock with the uh, Phoenix power weapon like the... the Terminators do. Terminators do. The Terminators. The Terminators. Terminators. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Uh, they gotcha. do come stock with whatever flavor of Charnaball weapon you want, which is not bad. Uh, and it's only a five-point upgrade per dude. Mm-hmm. I see but, uh, that. So we're looking at 15 points per guy, because we're going to give them a jetpack. Mm-hmm. Giving them the Palantine weapon. Mm-hmm. Probably the spear, which is crazy, dude. Like, the rapier and the spear. I guess you take the rapier if you want to get that um, extra attack, I guess, right? I did the math on it a couple of times, and I think even with the extra attack, the difference between wounding something on a four and a two closes that gap a whole bunch. For sure, yeah. And the thing I think absolutely puts it about is reach, because even Mm -hmm. if you don't charge with the Phoenix Spear, you're at initiative five. So reach is always the first round of combat, or is it always turned Uh, on? Reach is just plus whatever uh, to your initiative. So, That's so good because, like, you know, what, what is Age of Sigmar has literal good. range on their melee weapons, right? Mm-hmm. I think this is a great way to represent a ranged melee weapon is with Definitely. that reach. I, the one and only downside is it's two-handed, right? Um, but it also gives you the flexibility to fight things that aren't toughness four. Um, because with say the rapiers, you are just fishing for those sixes if you go after a dreadnought. Uh, but a Phoenix Spear can and will wound a Dreadnought uh, even outside of that six of instant death. Definitely a great unit for the Legion, I think. It really personifies their, um, you know, their, their Legion theme. Undoubtedly. It just, I've said it so many times in this episode so far, but it feels just like the Alpha Legion. It feels like they absolutely nailed what the Emperor's children feel like in the narrative and translated that to units and rules and war gear for the tabletop. It's pretty pretty great across the board. I have no yeah. complaints. Very good. Um, do they have any shooting units? I know they used to have the Cacophony. Do they still have the Cacophony? They do still have the Cacophony, and they're pretty much better. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah. So next page over, uh, the Cacophony, uh, 150 points for five guys. Uh, you get your, um, <laughs> they're equipped with the Cacophony, which is a fun weapon. Uh, bolt pistol, they come stock with sonic shriekers. Uh, frag crack, power armor. Uh, so two big things to note here. Uh, one, they're heavy, uh, so, you know, can't run, but also re-roll um, template weapon, armor saves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are also fearless. Just Look at that, they yeah. are. The leadership 10 fearless, no less. Jesus! Okay, they really are just jamming out to jazz, and they don't care about Mm -hmm. anything at that point, right? Now, they are a tad bit fragile. They are only one wound each. 
but mm-hmm. you know you can't have everything. Um, so balance in all things, right? Yeah. So you can take up to ten guys. That's uh, twenty five points to add one. Uh, so the cacophony. It is 36-inch range, strength 6, AP 5, assault 3. Uh, you've got Gets Hot, Pinning, Shell Shock, and Deflagrate. So this is like a meaner version of a Volkite, let's see, Serpenta Charger Caliber. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's assault instead of heavy, which is great. Uh, it's Pinning, it's Shell Shock 1, and it's Deflagrate, just like a Caliber. Now, it is Gets Hot. Uh, but it's only AP5, so that does not knock down your armor. Yeah, you're still getting that 3-up that armor save, which is yeah. nice. Um, and the Shell Shock and Pinning, man, I think that's a, that's a fantastic combination. Oh, definitely. Uh, pinning um, and forcing leadership checks on things are great in this edition. Um, it's, and to Assault is really nice with something that's the 36-inch range. Yeah. Definitely, right? Like, I feel like most assault weapons are, what, 18 inches, I want to say, yeah, maybe? 18, 24 some days. That's like the general. So, yeah, having that 36-inch range to throw out the assault shots. Mm-hmm. They're heavy, so they're definitely going to be able to, like, you know, move around and kind of be backfield objective holders. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's great to see deflagrate on something that's not a Volkite, too, man. Yeah. It's wicked. <laughs> uh, now... I will say, uh, outside of the Third Legion Elite Rite of War, they are heavy support, which is kind of a mark against them because that's super competitive. You know, do you guys have one of those? Right? Are you guys kind of limited where you're only allowed to take one heavy support or something like that for you? Uh, no, but uh, the Third Company Elite Rite of War moves them to troops. Okay. Are they line? They are not line. Just troops. Okay. Okay. So again, okay, you can't have it all, but it's much better than a stick right. in the eye. Yeah, definitely. And if you did want to run a themed third company elite, hey, I mean, 60 of these dudes is definitely working that theme <laughs> real hard. You know what I mean? Absolutely. All right. But they really don't look like they have much in the way of uh, additional special rules or upgrades. They just have a unique special weapon for them and uh, basically a heavy support squad with them. Um... Now, <clears throat> with this, does the Sonic Shriek help in shooting? It doesn't. Um, it is kind of, so the Sonic Shrieker is the surgical augment that's negative one to hit in the first round of right. combat. It doesn't synergize with them that well. I mean, it's, but hey, it's free. So it is basically free again. It's better than a stick in the eye, but if you get these guys in the combat, like the, uh, squad leader can take like a chainsword, artificer armor, power weapon, mm-hmm. like probably not worth it. And I was literally just about to say, what about a Vexilla? And I forgot fearless. So mm-hmm. they're good. They don't, they don't need any sort of thing to help them with leadership or combat resolve. Yeah. So it is kind of nice that you have, you can rely on them to, you know, hold their ground until absolutely every single one of them is dead. Mm-hmm. But like if you've gotten them in the combat, things are probably going a little South anyway. So Right. But then again, if they're holding a unit in combat, yeah, that unit isn't holding an objective or something. So, you know, exactly. Yeah. Not a bad unit. I think, I think, you know, it doesn't truly synergize with a lot of the other Legion, Mm -hmm. but it definitely is in theme with the Legion and, you know, the third company elite, which is, is that, um, what's his name? The dude who got his head chopped off. Marosian. 
uh, Eidlon is their first company commander. Oh. Uh, Varus Morosian is the third company captain. He is the first of the cacophony. Oh, okay. Who's the, okay? So I, was Eidolon the one who got his head cut off? Am I confusing the two right now? Oh no, that's the same dude. Uh, Mars okay. Barosian is still alive, so far as I know. As of Siege of Terror. Yeah, he was okay. alive in Path of Heaven. I think I recall uh, a scene in um, Heralds of the Siege where the Cacophony show up and they fucking ruin their armor with some chemicals <laughs> and they turn pink and that's like the first time we ever see pink um emperor's children delightful yeah so i think he was i think i mean it was definitely the cacophony so he must have been there right but, yeah okay <clears throat> but i so, guess eidolon who's eidolon yeah Aside from the guy who got his head cut off and reattached and uh all that stuff good timing on that question because lord commander eidlon is on the very next page you know it's kind of like i'm working these segues in intentionally one might think right i, I don't know you are a professional <laughs> so eidlon oh boy eidlon uh he was real good uh in the first round uh first edition boy howdy is he good in so okay Let's talk about him. He's a Praetor across the board. Uh, weapon skill 6, leadership 10, 2 plus save, 4 attacks, initiative 5. All the other Emperor's children, you know, Legionis Astartes bonuses. So, War Gear. Archaeotech pistol, Sonic Shriekers come stock. He's got a Warhawk jetpack. Um, Glory Eterna, which is his big, dumb, like, claw hammer thing. Oh, okay. Uh, I was wondering what that was, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's delightful, let me tell you. Uh, and uh, the Death Scream, which is, uh, not only is it good like a Sonic Lance, but it is also good in that he's one of very, very few models that can essentially take two surgical augments. Because as great as Sonic Lances are, uh, you have to use your surgical augment spot, and that could have been a sonic shrieker. Okay, gotcha. So uh, let me tell you about, well, first off, uh, Prideful Onslaught. It's his unique uh, warlord trait. Uh, so at the beginning of the battle, once all of your opponent's models have been deployed, but before the first turn, uh, Lord Commander Eidolon's controlling player selects one enemy HQ or Primarch, because, you know, Eidolon's pretty ballsy. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he took on his own Primarch, didn't he? Yeah. At least he mouthed off to him, yeah. Uh, it didn't go so hot the first time around, but... Uh, he, and he's he's pretty stubborn, so he didn't learn his lesson, apparently. Yeah, and he's essentially, he's used to dealing with other Primarchs because Fulgrim is hard to find, so most mm -hmm. of the time Eidolon shows up to the uh, get-togethers. Um, anyhow, uh, you pick an enemy HQ or Primarch choice as... Lord Commander Eidlon's rival. Uh, Eidlon and any unit he's joined gained a bonus of plus one all to hit rolls, uh, that is ranged and combat, made against the rival unit. And if the rival unit is part of an any enemy shooting attack or combat that results in a friendly unit being entirely removed as casualties or falling back, Lord Commander Eidlon and any unit he has joined also gains a bonus of plus one to all to wound rolls, made against the rival unit for the remainder of the battle. Uh, so, Ooh, so you kind of want them to kill some of your dudes. Yeah, like kill like Ooh. a cheap little scout unit or a single mm -hmm. rapier or something. Yeah. Uh, in addition, uh, 
Lord Commander Eidlin and any unities joined may only declare reactions against the rival unit, but the first such reaction in each turn is free and doesn't reduce your reaction allotment for the phase. So kind of a little bit of give and take there. He can't react to any unit besides that rival, um, which does kind of suck if you manage to get waylaid on your way there by like a charge or a you know, something you'd right. want to return fire at. And this is good information to know if you're playing against an Emperor's Children's yes. Army, is that if you do see Eidolon, don't shoot him with the rival unit first. Oh, yeah. You need to know this. You need to know <laughs> that you need to shoot him with another unit first, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And keep in mind, if you charge Eidolon's unit with any other unit that's not that rival unit, he cannot overwatch or hold the line against you. Mm, he's so he's so got tunnel vision uh-huh. for that commander. Okay. Exactly. Gotcha. Really good against that one rival unit, but can kind of cause him problems otherwise. Uh, so, next page over, uh, Gloria Turna is his unique Thunderhammer. Uh, just like any other Thunderhammer, it's strength times 2, AP 2, uh, melee, brutal 2, unwieldy, mastercrafted, and thunderous charge. So, thunderous charge takes the Emperor's Children initiative bonus and just turns it up to 11. Uh, any turn which Lord Commander Eidolon makes a successful charge, and keep in mind, that is successful charge, so that's typically denied if you are uh, disorganized charging. Uh, the model's attacks ignore the unwieldy special rule on Gloria Turna, which means on the charge he is swinging with that thunder hammer at initiative six. Jesus Christ. Oh, right? man. Um, I have bonked a dreadnought to death with him <gasps> before it could swing. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, my God. That's stellar, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have not tried... I haven't fought any enemy Primarchs yet, so I can't report back on how that would go down. Um, but I'm sure you'd get a hit in on him for sure. I mean, he is weapon skill 6. He is pretty decent. So yeah. uh, he also has uh, an Archaeotech pistol, which are pretty darn good now. Uh, but also Death Scream. So this is like his own personal Sonic Lance. Um, I don't know, he was like personally customized by uh, Fabius Bile. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a template, strength 2, assault 1, rending 6+, and pinning. Um, So this is just like a sonic lance, but it rends instead of breaches, which is pretty nice. Um, It's pretty good, too, for before a charge. Uh, It gives you... Now, it would provoke return fire, so you do have to be cognizant of that. But it does give you an extra chance before a charge uh, to get, you know, take one more pinning shot at an enemy unit. Right. Because, I mean, at at that point, we're talking like you're eight inches to use a template, right? Right. Well within Archaeotech pistol. But the Archaeotech, Mm -hmm. I don't believe, has pinning, right? It doesn't. It does. So you're just just fishing to pin at that point, which is great, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, rending, I mean, you're not going to force a leadership check because they lost one dude from the Archaeotech pistol. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So definitely nice. Uh, unfortunate that he doesn't have fire protocol or, uh, is that a firing protocol? Oh yeah. Firing protocols. That'd be great if he could use the Archaeotech and this thing, but you know, can't Can't have have everything. Yeah. (laughs) Still very good. Yeah. So 
Uh, speaking of good, uh, quote-unquote, uh, your loyalist special character option on the next page over, Captain Saul Tarvitz. Oh, he's the guy uh, from uh, Istvan 3, right? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, he is one of, like, the OG Aridge Tridge crew. Yeah. <laughs> and He had uh, his, uh, what was it? Like he, he and his sun killers were, like, defending that temple with the Luna Wolves. Uh, and he is way, way better than he was the first time around. Uh, so let's talk about Tarvitz. Uh, he is pretty much a Praetor. Um, mm-hmm. A pretty inexpensive one, too. He's 155. Uh, weapon skill 6, 3 wounds, initiative 5, 4 attacks, leadership 10, all the normal stuff. Uh, so he has Mastercrafted Nemesis Bolter um, and a, let's see, Bolt Pistol, Artificer Armor, all the normal stuff, Iron Halo, uh, Charnable Broadsword, which is unique to him. Uh, special rules-wise, he's got all the normal stuff, uh, Master of the Legion, Independent Character, Relentless. He has Preferred Enemy Emperor's Children. But of course, but I mean, of course. who else was he going to have preferred enemy against? Uh, he also has a unique special rule uh, called a brother betrayed, which is unique and we can get into. Uh, he is loyalist, of course, and uh, his warlord trait, defiant unto death, which is kind of cool. It pretty uh, pretty well suits him. Uh, if real, ar- real quick, I, yeah. I want to point something out that I think you touched on earlier in our in like our group chat. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any traitor loyalist characters? They are not, and it's something I was telling Steve. Like not I, even white scars? No, you would think uh, white scars or dark angels would be the perfect place to do it. But sadly, while there are a bunch of examples of loyalist characters from otherwise traitor legions, uh, Forge World has not yet uh, graced us with any traitor characters from otherwise loyal legions. Well, I mean, we are all aware of Games Workshop loyalist bias, so <laughs> you know, it's it's a real thing. So, yeah. I would be a little upset that loyalist Emperor's children get Salt Arvitz, who is pretty cool, I will admit, for a loyalist, and a real good warlord trait, but they also don't get surgical augments at all. Of course, yeah, that wouldn't make sense if they did. Yeah. Right. <laughs> be a little suspicious. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Doing field surgeries at Estevan 3 to right? install shriekers, yeah. <laughs> Real but, dicey uh, at that I'm point. sorry to interrupt. Um, you were talking about his uh, Defiant Unto Death. Yeah. So, if an enemy warlord has this... If an army's warlord uh, has this trait, check at the start of each of the controlling player's turns to see if any of the following things are true. Uh, the army that includes Tarvitz has accrued fewer victory points than the enemy army. The army, including Tarvitz, has fewer units on the battlefield than all enemy armies combined. Uh, Captain Tarvitz is within six inches of an objective, or Captain Tarvitz and any unit he has joined is locked in combat with more than one enemy unit or a single enemy unit that outnumbers Captain Saul Tarvitz's unit. If any of these are true, then Captain Saul Tarvitz and any friendly units with at least one model within 12 inches of Captain Saul Tarvitz gain the fearless special rule. Uh, in addition, as long as Captain Tarvitz has not been removed as a casualty, you get an extra reaction in the opposing player's shooting phase. Makes sense. I think shooting phase, right? Because he he was the dude who, <clears throat> excuse me, had the, the Sun Killers, I believe. So, you know, makes sense. You want to have a, a more shooting army with Emperor's Children? This might be the guy to take. Yeah. Um, 
And if you want to punish yourself with, like, loyalist emperor's children, I mean, who better could you go with? Yeah, nobody. Absolutely. Now, uh, what is really nice and what does a do a very good job of balancing that out against other uh, traitor emperor's children uh, is his brother betrayed rule. Captain Tarvitz gains plus one weapon skill, strength, and toughness when locked in combat with any enemy model that has both independent character and Legionis Astartes Emperor's Children or any unit that any such model has joined. Uh, if an enemy model that has both the independent character and Emperor's Children rules is removed as a casualty whilst locked in combat with Saul Tarvitz or a unit he has joined, then the controlling player gets plus one bonus victory points in addition to any others that might be gained. Uh, it is plus two uh, victory points if Captain Lucius is removed as a casualty Ooh, while engaged okay. in a challenge with Captain Saul Tarvitz. <laughs> nice. I like that. Yeah. That's good. That, uh, that, that lends to some very amazing narrative games. Yeah. You want to play Istvan 3, like, and you don't bring Captain Tarvitz to your Istvan 3 narrative game, what are you doing? Yeah. You're... <laughs> yeah. And overall, he is a pretty good like he's not gonna set the world on fire but he's like a combination mm-hmm. of like a little mini champion little mini vigilator oh uh speaking of which right, char- he does have that nemesis bolter i mean that's not yeah. nothing to, to and he's relentless so he's firing mm-hmm. and moving that mm-hmm. thing. yeah uh, but he also has the charnable broadsword which i entirely forgot about uh and it's kind of uh interesting it's like sort of a best of all worlds of charnable weapons because mm-hmm. uh, it is two-handed uh, but it's strength plus two, rending four plus, duelists edge two, and master crafted. So duelists edge two is when you're in a challenge, you're getting plus two initiative. Correct. Is that correct? Still okay. Yeah. Master crafted as well. Hey man, weapon skill six baseline. Mm-hmm. That's good. So that bumps him up to initiative seven, uh, which is important for his special rule, brother betrayed, because uh, that actually bumps him up one tick higher. You're right, dude. Captain Lucius. That's fucking... Oh, it's mm-hmm. like they planned... Oh, it's like they planned it. I know. The it's narrative. like they have a whole team of dudes who are just sitting back and like thinking of cool shit to write. Right. And that's they are what they're doing. Forging and we're narrative. also looking at plus one strength, making him, what, strength seven at that point, right? Yeah. Because he, he, Lucius I mean, the plus is... plus one toughness too, being T5, great. You know, not getting doubled out by... Yeah. by uh, What's his face is hammer anymore? Yeah, it bumps him up to uh, weapon skill seven, also uh, on yep. par with Lucius. Yeah, um, and I'm just thinking. I mean, at that point, if you're fighting uh, an emperor's children dreadnought, even I think this guy could easily take him on. <laughs> that is pretty entertaining, right? I mean, we're talking strength seven, weapon skill seven at that point. Uh, rending on a four up, he's going to murder that dreadnought. That's wild. <laughs> uh, Steve did bring up a really good point. Is in a Fury of the Ancients list, uh, your uh, dread commander is a character. So mm-hmm. uh, an Emperor's Children dreadnought can, in fact, take Sonic Shriekers. Yes, they can. Yeah, I have seen that circulating it. online. Excuse me, sir. You need to get off the table. Your cat, get down. Sorry, I had to discipline my son on air. Oh, I don't no, need to do I, that. <laughs> I feel you. I feel like more than anybody else on the cats, like you feel my multiple cat household feels. Yeah. We have bonded over it many times. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> he just he just comes up to watch me too. He just stares at me with his mouth open, mouth agape, tongue out, eyes like slowly blinking. I mean he's happy. 
Yeah. But he's just weird while he's doing it. He loves you bunches. Mm-hmm. Slow blinks are a very big deal for cats. Yeah, for sure. Oh, they started laying on their backs. I know this has nothing to do with Warhammer, but they recently started laying on their backs, <laughs> and I, I read that it's a sign of, like, a stress-free cat, and I feel pretty good as a cat dad right now for that. Oh, yeah. Every time Ashton, like, sees me, and he rolls over, and he's like, scratch my tummy. It's yeah. Like, I've succeeded as cat dad. Very good. <laughs> good um, So... You were mentioning Lucius. Yeah. Now we know him because he's in. He's like in 40k. He can't be killed, right? Lucius the Eternal. He can um, be killed, but it's this wacky, like, pact with Slanesh that if he's killed by, like, another champion and the other guy feels even the slimmest shred of, like, satisfaction or pride from having beaten Lucius, uh-huh. then Lucius's spirit slowly, like... Leeches into him? Yeah. So, um, what's that, what's that sneaky Raven Guard boy that killed him? And um... Which is one of the biggest things people, in general, that... Wanted to complain about Nikona Sherikin. Um, mm-hmm. That's it, yeah, yeah. Just running Horus Heresy Flores Lava Champion. Yeah. Um, so almost as if Nikona Sherikin had read, you know, Lucius's entry in an army list somewhere. He's like, all right, I just don't have to enjoy it, and I'm right? good to go. Loudly so- <laughs> declares, I do not take pleasure from stabbing you. <laughs> He's like, loophole? Net. <laughs> All right. So okay. So he can be killed. Yeah, he can be. He just doesn't stay down. Oh, but with that weapon skill seven, that's oh not going to be easy. Oh, he is some real good business. Let me tell you about it. Um, I think he might be meaner than Eidolon, which is really? kind of yeah. So let me break this down and let me see what you think. Okay, so I cheated and I looked at his weapon and yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Whew, I, I cheated, looked ahead. That weapon is spooky. Okay. So what's wacky though, uh, he gets he can take the same blade of the lair as Fulgrim can, but I don't think that's the way to go. And I'll, I'll tell you why here. So starting off, War Gear, he has his own uh, unique sword, 19. Uh, he has the Blade of the Lair, Artificer artificer Armor, Iron Halo, Grenades, all that stuff. So he so, has both of these weapons. It's not a pick and choose, is what you're saying, right? Well, you It's can. just you, you pick when you attack. You pick yes. the weapon profile. Uh, now, what I think is the way to go, though, so he's 215 points um, for Praetor stat line, except he's Initiative 6 and he's Weapon Skill 7, so a little bump by one point there. Uh, he has preferred enemy independent characters. He's got precision strikes three plus, which is spectacular. Um, and oh yeah, there's no yeah. hiding from him at that point, mm-hmm. man. He's stubborn on that leadership ten, uh, and he has a unique warlord trait. So uh, what you can do is exchange the blade of the lair for a close combat weapon. Ah, uh, I see that. Okay, gotcha. And gotcha. you drop it by what is that? Forty points. So he's only yeah. 175, well, 185, because definitely takes Sonic Shriekers. Um, yeah. That's, that's just mean already, why wouldn't you? Um, but I think 19 may actually end up being better than the Blade of the Lair. Um, so his unique Warlord trait is called the Blade Alone. Uh, downside, uh, no other models or units uh, in your army can use his leadership 10, regardless of any other factor. Cannot do it. However, 
Uh, whenever Captain Lucius is engaged in a challenge, all friendly models in the same combat gain fearless, which is pretty nice. Yeah, that feels like something as a champion. You know, he's he's definitely like a like a one tr- a one mind track kind of kind of dude, right? Like he's yeah. he's not there yeah. to lead an army; he's there to fight. Yeah. Um, but he fights so well that he's definitely encouraging the men around him to fight even harder. Oh you know? yeah. He is, so, he's real good. That is a very it. thematic list. I love when they write these rules and these warlord traits that just yeah. blend in with who the character is. Like, per- again, perfectly um, mm-hmm. encapsulates like what the emperor's children are. Now, um, what's fun though? So the next page over, supreme duelist. Uh, in a challenge, if Captain Lucius's initiative characteristic is higher than your opponent's, he gains plus one to attack. So he's he, base of a six. He is base six, uh, nineteen. Um, so Makes him plus one. So nineteen Wowzers. is a little unique, though. Uh, it, it's duelist Aegis, not duelist Edge. Oh, oh, you're right. Okay. So let's talk about that. Uh, the blade of the yeah. lair, exact same one as Fulgrim has. Um, so strength is user AP two, uh, duelist Edge one, fleshbane specialist weapon mastercrafted. So, not bad, but when you compare it to 19, like his personal sword, uh, it's rending 3+, so it auto-wounds on a 3+, and is AP2, so almost as good as AP2 and Fleshbane. Uh, it's Murderous Strike 6+, which the Blade of the Lair is not, uh, but Duelist Aegis gives him plus 1 to weapon skill, uh, when he's in a challenge, instead of plus one to initiative like Duelist Edge, which bumps him up to weapon skill eight. Wow. Which Holy is crap, just dude. as good as any Primarch. So yeah, at that point, you know, what, save yourself the, what, what did we say, 30, 35 40 points? 40 points. Something? 40 points? Yeah. Get yourself an extra close combat weapon. You're still going to get your extra attack in there, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. it's not, it's... 19 isn't two-handed or anything like that. Nope. You're saving uh, yourself points, which are definitely going to be used somewhere. That's a, that's a rhino, you know? Think mm-hmm. about it that way. That's a whole rhino for and one sword. That is a good point. Um, the blade of the lair is specialist. 19 is not. Yeah. So you still get that plus one attack from his uh, bolt pistol or close combat weapon. And the rending three up. Th- threes are easy to roll. Yeah. You don't need the baseline AP two. I yeah, hundred percent, man. I got to tell you, go with nineteen. Yeah, and like, I'm, I'm with you because that's let's see. Um, yeah, that gives him attacks five, if not six, from Supreme Duelist. It's just it's great across the board, especially so comparatively. Uh, even Sigismund hits Lucius on fives in the challenge. Wow. So the only real okay. So if this dude had Eternal Warrior, do you think he could take on? Um, Siggy and a duel? Oh, yeah, easily. Now, wow. Sigismund has Eternal Warrior and four wounds. Right. So probably not. He also ignores Lucius's uh, Sonic Shriekers because he's fearless. Mm. Definitely Other be a than good that, matchup to see in, in one of our Rumble events. He, It's a possibility Lucius could kill Sigismund before he could swing, but the thing is, if Sigismund swings back, he's going to hit him on fives. He's only going to have four attacks. But he's going to wound on a two and make Lucius re-roll that Iron Halo four plus. Ooh, yikes, yeah, yeah. And he doesn't From have a turn sword, of warrior. Yeah. 
So, and of course, Sigismund is just flat instant death. Well, hey, you know, Lucius, you weren't <laughs> supposed to live forever, so you know that's yeah. all right. But you know, get in there and get get some good licks in. Yeah. So, anybody besides a Primarch or Sigismund, definitely is pretty much like even some of the really hardcore. Maybe Karn could cause him problems, but again, like Lucius is going to go before him, right? Who we definitely we definitely need to do some character rumbles. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. I think that would be great. Uh, little events where you just bring all your characters for your legion and you just smash it out. But yeah, so I mean, you guys have really good characters. I feel like each of them is written with a strong narrative focus in mind. Well, not just your characters. I mean, your your units and all oh yeah every unit we touched on today uh feels very emperor's children very much so oh uh you know we do have one left to go over we have not talked about fulgrim oh we have oh how did we forget the man himself well steve thinks primarchs are boring and i don't disagree but fulgrim okay, is at least maybe funny. In the books they're boring because you know <laughs> they're regular humans trying to write these demigods but right. i mean we're in rules they're usually pretty fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, right. let's go over them. Yeah, let's talk Fulgrim. So, uh, big man himself is 425, right smack in the middle of everybody, mm-hmm. points-wise. Um, you've got weapon skill 8, ballistic skill strength, toughness, wounds, all 6, initiative 8, which is really nice. He is definitely Is he the one fastest one? He might be. I'd have to go back, yeah, probably check him against like, my head. the con. The Khan is the only one else I could think of that's super high. He's faster than Angron. Mm-hmm. He's one of the faster ones. But um, attacks, you got six, leadership ten, two of save, of course. Right. My favorite thing about Fulgrim is he is the bulkiest Primarch. He has bulky six. Yeah, look at that. Why he's so thick? He's the, he's the slimmest of all Primarchs next to Sanguinius. No idea. Uh, the only, oh, his ego. That's why they have to try yeah, to fit right, his ego. Right. His ego, yeah. his hair. He definitely yeah. <laughs> man spreads. You yeah. know when he's sitting on public 100%, transportation. Yeah, but it's pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, so his only option is to change out the blade of the lair for fire blade. Uh, that a uh, sword that um, Ferris made him right. Yeah, Ferris made him. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he does also have sudden strike. Although I have no idea why, because it when, boosts him up to initiative nine on the charge. I don't know. Maybe he's fighting fucking uh, Valdor or something. I, I mean, <laughs> Oh, which uh, also too, if he charges, he's does have Legionis Astartes EC anyway. So he bump up to initiative 10. Jesus Christ, man. Like, I mean, at that point, like why it's just, it's, I mean, it's a number. It he could be initiative. Ten like, is the highest initiative step, so you're you're literally going before everything. Oh, right. he does. That would make him strike simultaneously with Hammer of Wrath. Yeah, that is kind of funny. I like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> Good times. Uh, let's see. He's got Crusader, which is always nice with that super high initiative. As if like you weren't going to run that enemy squad down. Right. Yeah. Now we definitely are. So, uh, Sire of the Emperor's Children, his special warlord trait. Uh, All friendly models with Emperor's Children uh, that can draw a line of sight to Fulgrim can use his leadership characteristic for morale and pinning checks. 
and all friendly units composed entirely of models with Emperor's Children special rule, uh, while Fulgrim is also in the battlefield, gain plus one to the wound value used to calculate if the unit has won combat. So what's nice there, uh, that living icon special rule we were talking about for the Palantine Blades and the Phoenixes, yes. uh, that specifically stacks with this. Oh, really? Uh-huh. So we're talking like plus two combat resolve then. Correct. It also wow. stacks with Vexillus. Are you serious? I am. That is so good. Yeah. But the, the, the idea being that you wouldn't need to buy Vexillas because of this, right? If you're in line I, mean, of sight. I mean, you, you, you kind of want, it's 10 points. It's 10 points. If you can't, appoint, if you can't afford 10 points on the squad, maybe don't bring the squad, I, I would say, right? Kind of same thing with um, Dozer Blades and Rhinos. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, but if you're uh, showing the up idea with that stacks, Yeah, the idea it stacks is, is pretty spectacular. Yeah, because just by itself, a uh, living icon stacking with a Vexilla is pretty great. Like, a plus two is a pretty huge swing to a combat. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Huge. And then this is just citrus in the wound. Um, oh. yeah, not even salt at that point. We're just rubbing <laughs> fucking lemons in those wounds, baby. <laughs> and... um. Then uh, the first reaction made in each game turn by Fulgrim and any unit he has joined does not use up a point of your reaction. That's good. And it, it opens it up you, any phase, right? It's mm-hmm. not any particular phase. you got to love that. Yeah. Pretty adaptable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the Gilded Panoply, the next page mm-hmm. over, all this fun This is stuff. his armor? Is that what yeah. that is? Okay. So, it's his uh, super fancy artificer armor. Uh, gives him a 2-up armor save, a 3-up invulnerable against melee attacks, and a 4-up invulnerable against all other wounds. Interesting. Notice it says all other wounds, not just shooting. So, like, uh-huh. explosions, stomps. Oh, yeah. That kind of stuff. Anything that's not a melee attack. That's pretty spectacular. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it really is... Having a 3-up invulnerable... Who else has a 3-up invulnerable? I don't know of anybody... Do Primarchs have three up invulnerables? Yeah, a couple of them do. Okay. Vulcan okay. does. I don't think... Gilliman, I think, is the only one I've looked at. I believe and you. And I don't think he does. I think he's got a four up. I'm not sure. I'm a little less... I'm a terrible well, Ultramarines player, though, so... Oh, that's you know. bad. I never use Primarchs. So I feel yeah, like... exactly, yeah. So, uh, next one down. Sublime Swordsman is like... Like, Lucius sort of has, like, the baby version of this rule. This is the full mm-hmm. grown-up rule. Uh, when Fulgrim makes melee attacks as part of a challenge, uh, he gains a number of additional attacks equal to the amount by which his initiative characteristic is greater than that of his opponent. For an example, uh, if Fulgrim attacks an enemy model with an initiative characteristic of 5 as part of a challenge, Fulgrim's initiative 8 grants him 3 extra attacks. My god, and we're talking initiative 10? Does that include that? Yeah, when you charge, oh you are initiative 10. My god, my god, you're getting six extra attacks? It's pretty bonkers. Like, Oh my god, because I mean, you know, we're thinking most other units are what, initiative four. Oh, that's, that a, would... that's an easy six extra attacks. And you really, really don't want to fight him with anything unwieldy. No, not at all, especially with Yeesh. those weapons he's got. Yeah, because, uh, let's see, um, I do like that they sort of bundled over the overkill rule for challenges from fantasy. Um, 
because in a challenge, your wounds do not spill out of combat and kill other oh, guys. Okay, right, right, right. I was thinking it was going to be something like a like a spectacular rampage where you could just like kill the character <laughs> with one hit, and then all those other. You're right. You're right. I completely forgot that. Mm-hmm. But that still, is a, I mean, that is a shitload of attacks to make sure one dude is absolutely dead. And they do still count to your combat resolution. It just mm-hmm. doesn't actually kill other dudes. Yeah. So, uh, well, speaking of, let's talk about his. Uh, is melee weapon options. So uh, that exact same blade of the lair uh, as Lucius has, uh, AP2, Duelist Edge 1. Don't know why you'd need that extra initiative. You're bumping into your initiative 10 cap by that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fleshbane, Mastercrafted, Specialist Weapon. So not bad across the board. But right. I think it might actually be better to go with Fireblade. That's uh, so wild, that poor blade of Lier. Right? is the lesser of the two on in both profiles. Of yeah, because this one, I think it really loses out because it does not have murderous strike. I believe you are correct, yeah. Yeah. I think that's what the does The Fleshbane is nice, Mastercrafted, great, but the, the fact that these other two have the ability to instant death, because right, yeah. um, 19 also has the instant death, yeah. murder strike, right? Yeah, so, for yeah. six up. Mm-hmm. And this one's Fireblade is a five up, which is great. Yeah, it's it's like a uh, fancy Paragon blade. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's Murder Strike five up, Mastercrafted specialist, but uh, plus one strength, which puts him up to seven, which is nice. Yes, definitely. Uh, definitely. So you're wounded and dreadnoughts on a four, then. All right. Oh, and then his uh, goofy pistol. It's uh, 15-inch range, string 6, AP4, deflagrate, and shred. It's a fancy bullet charge. I mean, you know, pistols, I really think pistols are very... I've, I don't know anybody who's ever used a ranged weapon on a Primark. Right. <laughs> like, I think you and get do, too tunnel vision, you're like, I gotta charge, I gotta charge, yeah. and you forget to shoot with them, you know? Yeah, they do exist, but mm-hmm. yeah, same deal. I've not seen anybody use them. Yeah. Um, what's that tactical excellence that he's got? So that is fun, too. Uh, once per battle, at the start of any phase, Fulgrim's controlling player may declare the use of this special rule. For the duration of that phase, any enemy units that attempt to declare a reaction against a move, shooting attack, or charge made by Fulgrim or the unit he's joined must first pass a leadership test using the highest leadership in the unit, uh, unless that unit is making the reaction includes at least one model with the Primark unit type. Interesting. Yeah. So, better than a stick in the eye, but yeah. chances are if you've got a Primark, your opponent's got a Primark too, and they have already started making their way towards each other. But, I mean, it's not awful. It's just, I don't know how useful it's going to be. Yeah, I think it's it's a very situational thing. Um, but hey, you know, shutting down a unit's reaction, never a bad thing, especially yeah. if it's just built in like that. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, so overall, you would say Fireblade because of the murderous strike that it gives you. Yeah, Strength 7 and murderous strike, I think, really evens out against the very, very few things he might have trouble with. Um, I think it works a lot better against something like a Dreadnought. Oh, for sure, yeah. Because I don't mean, I don't even think Fleshbane would really, what, what is it? You have to re-roll successful wounds against Dreadnoughts with Fleshbane, right? Right. Yeah. And we don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely take Fireblade. I don't know. Poor Blade yeah. of the Air. <laughs> yeah, he kind of sucks. Um, 
Well, that's what you get for being a demon blade, I guess. I guess, right? Nobody likes you. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. so uh, was there anything else you guys happened to um, skip over? Yeah, I think that is the length and breadth of the Emperor's Children. That is a a pretty solid army. I think it's very in theme. And I I gotta say, man, um, maybe it's just my perception, but they say perception is reality, so... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) There are a lot more Emperor's Children this edition. Yeah, it's nice to see. I don't think it has anything to do with the rules, honestly. I believe it just has to do with the fact that models are more accessible and people are just getting into it. And, you know, they might actually like the Emperor's Children, like you, like yourself. Yeah. Um, It doesn't feel like you have to struggle to make a list work. And it feels like you have... Because before, in the first edition, it was... To make an Emperor's Children list work overall, you only had a very few options of what to kind of funnel in to like make yourself, you know, be able to compete with other sort of mainstream things. Yeah, I know. I know their special units, their elite units, didn't feel elite. They didn't did feel all that special. Um, the spears were not nearly as good as they are now. Right. I mean, they're laughable compared to to what this incarnation is. This incarnation feels like a specialist legion weapon that will slice and dice somebody. So it's great they gave that to you guys. It really feels much like the Alpha Legion. Like, not only are they effective on the tabletop, but narratively they just click so perfectly into what they feel like in the novels. Yeah. Okay, so let's break it down then. Absolutely. Uh, this is uh, arbitrary number time. Um, on a scale from 1 to 10, how would you rate the army narratively? Narratively? Not perfection. Like, I don't, I don't believe in 10s. Uh, right, well, in this case, 10's the worst. Oh, it did. Okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, <laughs> 10, 10 we'll say is the best. Okay. Yeah, it can never be 10. You can't ever be perfect, right? Right. No matter how far, how far they've gone. Mm-hmm. And how hard they try. Uh, upper eight point seven five nine. Like sounds good. I could not point the blade of the lair. I guess could be better. Right. Yeah. I, I cannot pick anything out of the army list and say like that doesn't fit with the emperor's children. Like every single thing in there feels viable. Mm-hmm. And like, because you know, Pat also plays Emperor's Children. He does, yes. And his army is one hundred degrees, one hundred eighty degrees different from mine. I I saw you guys having that conversation. You guys had a game recently, and you know, you'd think the two legions going mm-hmm. against each other would be pretty. You know, you'd see the exact same things and the exact same kind of play style. But nope. you, you both said that it was completely different, which oh, yeah. you, which I love to hear. You know. Uh, well, I will tell you one thing that's super funny is when uh, Sonic Shriekers are on both sides of a combat. Uh, oh, it be- yeah. <laughs> it becomes a big, dumb pillow fight. <laughs> but, I mean, even that didn't feel, like, out of place, you know? Right. Uh, it was Very good. And it was great. Then, I guess, okay, so narratively we're giving it an 8.75. Mm-hmm. And then uh, rules-wise... You think they're competitive? If if you had to do like one of those, you know, F tier to S tiers, where, where do you think you would put them? <laughs> um, 
pretty high up. I mean, they they are very melee oriented. Uh, they don't have a lot that sets them apart as far as shooting goes. Right, but uh, this this is a very good addition for melee. It is. Reactions have helped. Um, Movement speeds have helped. Uh, I feel like melee's in a good spot with this addition. Definitely. Uh, in melee, they are absolutely brutal. Uh, never underestimate the both defensive and offensive benefit of having one initiative step higher than your opponent because not only are you doing damage, but you're forcing him to pull models out completely before they get to swing back at you. Oh, yeah. That's a that's a solid um, best defense is a good offense mentality, right? Oh, absolutely. And you don't have to worry about making saves if there's nothing to save against. Exactly. Um, the one sort of minor bonus they get uh, for shooting is uh, the second half of their Legionis Astartes rule. When vehicles make reaction fire, they get plus one to their ballistic skill. Well, that's not too bad. Uh. Though we are talking one unit per shooting phase. Mm-hmm. So like a squadron of predators is what comes to mind immediately for me, right? Yes. Yeah. That's how I use it. Oh, perfect. Okay, great. Same track. All right, yeah. right eye on that. Very so, good. I did figure out a fun little thing to do, uh, especially since I love how prevalent night fight is and how it makes the first couple of turns of a game operate. Are you someone who always elects to use night fight? Absolutely. Of course. Every single time. Uh, with both the concentration the Emperor's Children have on melee and also like how different it makes the game feel um i'm a really big fan i have yet to play a game where i elected and my opponent has like flat out forgotten um (laughs) so i still have yet to play a game where where night fight was involved and for me as a mech player that's fantastic i i love it you know please forget about night fighting more i mean um just trimming down almost every shooting attack to 24 inches is great yeah fantastic stuff man very good synergies all around oh yeah um so i'm sorry did, did you happen to give it a, a number you say a tier or s tier it's you're allowed to be biased here well i do love them i would say like b plus because they are absolutely brutal in combat but outside of combat they it's all like almost all of their bonuses are balanced towards combat it's very right, little right. to make them like, the Maruskara Rite of War does make them pretty mobile, um, but, like, there's no real bonuses to shooting besides, like, the Cacophony, who are unique and have their own downsides. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is pushed kind of into that realm of close combat, but they're, like, so overwhelmingly good at it. Outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so what, you said your one improvement then uh, would be the Blade of Lier to get uh, a little <laughs> bit of love, make it make it a cool weapon to take. Yeah, that poor uh, little dude needs something. Yeah. Um, but all right, do you have anything else you want to add? Uh, I don't think so. I did figure out one fun thing today, but it's not Emperor's Children related. Oh, let's talk. I mean, I, I want to hear about it. Go on. thought it might be a fun little Easter egg. 
So, uh, Praetorian of Dorne, very contentious novel for Imperial Fist and Alpha Legion players. Mm, that's um, the, uh, the Pluto one, right? Yeah, right, right. Um, so, entertainingly, I figured this out today. Uh, I mainly play Alpha Legion, and I've been oh, a little bit more 50-50 with Emperor's Children lately. But I started with Alpha Legion. Uh, their Legionis Astartes trait is basically every place it'd be advantageous for them, they count as two inches farther away from... Of course, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's great. It frustrates Which everyone. With, um, shroud bombs, too, on like the, yeah. uh, the Hunter cadre or whatever they are, right? Recon Marines, yeah. Well, not, not the Recon... Oh, yes, Recon Marines also, but the Headhunters. I'm sorry. Do Headhunters have Shroud Bombs? I thought they did. I've been... I could have been playing this wrong the entire time. Yeah, because I remember I kept trying to shoot some Headhunters, and they were eight inches further away, and I basically had to get next to them to use my pistols. I have bad I news so. for you. I could they be wrong. do not I don't have Shroud Legion. Bombs. They don't? They have a Venom Sphere, oh. but no, no Shroud Bombs. Okay. Well, then... That's what I get for not knowing my opponent's army. It happens. That's, that's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, all right. So, anywho, uh, Praetorian of Dorne, uh, kind of, kind of goes south a little bit for the Alpha Legion. So, I like to think that somebody at Forge World really held on to that chip on their shoulder and they worked this tiny, infinitesimally minimal little equalizer in the game. So, Alpha Legion, count two inches farther away. Uh, the Imperial Fist special reaction, it lets the Imperial Fist player charge you uh, if you move an enemy unit within ten inches. So, against Alpha Legion, that gets dropped to eight inches. Yeah. So, uh, Alpha Legion headhunters come stock with those uh, Bane Strike bolters, which are real nasty, you know, because they have breaching on a six. Alpha Legion, uh, the headhunters oh, get a. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, what is it? A four plus precision shot, like preferred enemy independent characters. Mm-hmm. So that special reaction that the Imperial Fists have can be real nasty because it's a pretty consistent charge. Uh, it's their initiative plus D6. Yeah, it, it's pretty gross. It connects, uh, you know, a charge in the movement phase too. Uh, but since the Alpha Legion special trait drops it to 8 inches to trigger instead of 10, and Bane Strike Bolters are 18-inch range, which means they rapid-fire at half range of 9 inches, <laughs> there is exactly a 1-inch safety zone yeah. that <laughs> headhunters can rapid-fire oh, Bolters into without triggering that yeah, reaction. Nice. It is rude, and... I would feel bad if they didn't get a plus one to hit with like two thirds of the Space Marine Armory. Exactly. Yeah. Don't <laughs> pity the Imperial Fist. They're doing just fine. Oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah well, that was a good was... episode, man. Thank you for talking me through and uh, explaining what Emperor's Children were. As you know, a mech player, I really, when the book came out, I kind of glanced at it, but knowing that mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be playing any of the real legions. Um, I kind of, you know, didn't really study any of the legions as well as I should have. So I appreciate it when you guys break these things down for me like this. Absolutely. It was fun to do. And the Emperor's Children are super entertaining as a legion. I've heard I've heard that from every Emperor's Children player I've talked to. Um, uh, I do the Remembrance Retreat uh, Instagram page now. 
Oh, so yeah. I'm out there, you know, commenting and, and seeing all people's posts and always asking people like, why, why'd you choose them? And they were like, well, they're just fun to paint and I like them, you know, which is great to hear that nobody's like, oh, their rules are fucking so good. I had to play this Legion, but I hate purple, which I feel like <laughs> I hear a lot of fist players who are like, they're so good, but I hate yellow. Come well, on, my man. You need to love that Legion. Fun and thing. I think a lot of Emperor's children do love their Legion. Uh, I cheated a little bit. Uh, my first Emperor's Children was Pride of the Legion. And, you know, the more elite they get, the less purple they have, the more white and platinum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so very few of my Emperor's Children, uh, Palantine Blades and Phoenix Terminators, have purple. They're mostly white, silver, and gold. Oh, I mean, I think you get a pass. White is pretty, <laughs> it's a bit more difficult to paint. <laughs> nice. It's good. And I've seen your army. It's spectacular. Thank um, you. Very good. And uh, if you want to go ahead and send me over some photos on Discord, I'll make sure that we post those photos of your army uh, and Patrick's, too, um, when we Can post this episode. Do. But, right. yeah, I mean, do we have anything else, then? No, I think that is a wrap. Yeah, Jason and Steven are dearly departed from this current podcast, I, I, maybe I shouldn't have said dearly departed. Right. That uh, <laughs> ominous wording. <laughs> Take care. Bye. All right, listeners. Thank you very much. Um, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Take care guys. Once again, as always, I'd like to thank all of our patrons, starting with our Legion Praetors, Alex Self, Captain Sasquatch, Chap Lanisar, Chris Mack, Garner Tree of Woe, Joe from Music City Heresy, Luke Rizzuto, Matthew Boyce, Michael Tisdall, Mr. Baldwick, Nick Quenga, Rena the Floof, Sar Luther, Taco Tuesday or Bus 22, Rock and Roll McDonald's, Variance Hammer, Zachary Thompson, Our Legion Centurions, Aaron Maynard, Andrew N., Dave Jones, Duncan, Low Tech, M. Tanzer, Gorkrow, Matthew Andreasio, Nick Hilda, Richard Bork, Scott LeMay, Lazoy, Void Imperatrix, and Winter. And finally, our Legion Sergeants, Agrippina, Aircraft Terrier, Wolfarius, Jed Cheeseman, Connor Cash, Dale Jones, Emily O'Hare, Garrett Lowe, Hard Fries, Jay DeSales, John, Jonathan Crane, Carl, Noah Atkins, Fulsivax Monstrosa, and Travis Smith.